0: It's rock and roll!
1: Welcome to the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast. Andy and Bill are back, and we're going to continue our exploration of the Wasp catalog, if I remember to hit record. Yes, I did. Um, before we get going, we want to thank everyone for tuning in to all the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast episodes, particularly the Wasp ones. It is fun to take one band and go album by album, and I'm really happy that Wasp ended up being the first one. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Neon God Part 1 today. Um, But before we do so, Andy's actually a member now of his very own podcast, even though he's technically a member of the Kiss FAQ podcast and the Lucas Rock and Roll podcast. He has um, started up a new Kiss-related podcast. So, Andy, wild man, tell everyone about your new show.
2: It's not my show. I'm just a co-host. Pasquale Vararis from Montreal Canada, is actually his... (laughs) I'm just a co-host. I'm along for the ride and to drive everybody crazy. You know what I mean? Like everywhere else. But, uh, yeah, for, for years uh, I been, had been at uh, Pasquale to do a podcast just for fun, you know. And I love all you guys in, in you know, uh, you know FAQ, all the guys on FAQ, all, you know, Matt Porter, the Kiss Room, all, all, all the guys. You know, I love everybody and I'm just having fun with this. and uh You know, and I drive everybody crazy here and there, you know. So, uh, anyways, finally... Uh, you know, for years, Pascal would do a thing called uh, Kiss Army uh, Nation TV, and he would go to, like, expos and stuff like that, and he would do it, and then once in a while, I'd be like, dude, you're missing everything, because you're, you're, like, you got a camcorder, and you're walking around with everything, which is cool, after the fact, but, you know, when you're, he kind of missing you join me, too, at the same time, a little bit, you know, but anyways, for years, i had been like, hey, man, you should do a podcast, you got this TV thing going on, man, people are watching, so I was just do like, a podcast, and then, uh, you know, what all this what's going on in the world. And then, um, like a month ago, or yeah, maybe a month, I just said, send him a blue. Hey, dude, you want to do a podcast or what for Kiss, uh, Kiss Army uh, Nation? He's like, sure. And then all of a sudden, I was like, bang, jump right into it. So that's the deal. Um, actually, we just recorded another episode for In the Bank. <laughs> so we just released number two. Well, yeah. he released number two, like I said. I'm just a co-host. I'm going on for a ride.
1: <laughs> I know, but you're here and Pascal is not. So, you know, congratulations <laughs> on getting the first episodes out. Bill, what do you have going on with A, a is it a to Z or A to Z? I want to be English is, and say a, a to Z.
3: It is A to Z for United States and it's A to Z for our, uh, our other more intelligent nations. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to ask Andy real quick about his. Now, is that a YouTube show or is it on a uh, RSS feed or anything like that? Or do you know? He's got it
2: everywhere he's got this um he's it's on youtube it's on i guess it's on podmatic he's got it on i don't know if it's on twitter i mean he's got it like on six or seven different things so it's all over the place and i don't have all the you know all the things because all i know is youtube i, I just keep talking youtube but it's, it's on podmatic it's all over the place but uh if you want to again it's uh kiss army uh kiss Jeez, i can't even blah blah, blah kiss army nation podcast tv or something like that you'll find it and he's also got a uh, facebook group too so you know
1: what's the name so of the facebook what's the name of the facebook group kiss army nation uh,
2: yep kiss army nation jeez blah, blah, blah.
1: <laughs> there you go ne- next time have your piece of paper with all your your notes and you know i'll surprise you with completely different questions of course you will <laughs> <laughs> all right bill what you got going on in your world uh,
3: now, I have a re- internet radio station with Alan Tate and Jeff Humphrey, and uh, it's called A to Z, or A to Z Radio, and it's A to Z Radio, not net, dot net, and uh, what we do is we run the station 24 hours a day, we have uh, every variety of kind of music that you would want, uh, sometimes you can go from hearing George Jones to hearing Mastodon, we are, our tagline is, we are the internet's biggest variety of rock, pop, and country music. And we're very welcome to uh, new and unsigned artists, or artists that actually have publishing in place. We do a uh, a ten-song block every two weeks called Fresh Cuts, which uh, really gets the uh, the new songs put out. And uh, we have right now in our set we have everything from Taylor Swift's new re-release of her music, so she's actually getting paid for it. And we also have a duet. Uh, that's an international duet, one from, uh, I think that she's in Massachusetts, and the guitar player is in Brazil. Uh, they're called uh, Ricardo and uh, Rebecca, and some good uh, proggy kind of rock music and uh, everything. I throw in all kinds of punk and stuff like that, and uh, then we also have uh, about seven shows a week going right now, and uh, my show is Little Willie's Record Shelf. It's on 2 p.m. on Saturday afternoon, Eastern. And I'm I'm basically doing the, kind of the same thing. I just find a song I dig and I throw it out there. It doesn't matter if it was a single. It doesn't matter if it's an epic. Uh, it's just something I like. And I kind of theme it up every once in a while. But uh, some great shows. We have a Friday night live music with uh, three hours of live music from all kinds of artists. And uh, we have yacht, yacht, rock, yeah, yacht Rock shows. And we have a Metal Monday. And we even have... Um, a sunday soul where it's two hours of solid soul music so it's a to z radio.net
1: nice well that's what everyone here does
3: so julian what are you up
1: to (laughs) (laughs) i'm i'm hosting the look it's rock and roll podcast and we're going to talk about the neon god (laughs) let's get let's get into the into the wasp episode um because like joe perry once said don't bore us get to the chorus people want Man. what the show's about so uh the neon god is the ninth show in our wasp series this album was released april the 6th which is today 2004 which it isn't well, anymore um annoyed wait what 2003
3: was
1: it 2003 uh yeah uh, mine well. <laughs> whatever um yeah okay so april the 6th it's the anniversary of the release of the album goddamn typos it's the second album featuring guitarist daryl roberts um mike duda returns on bass frankie banale on drums with the exception of one song which features Stet howland who becomes more of a picture in the future um When this one came out, I remember some of the press Blackie was doing at the time, and it just did not spin my wheels. So I didn't bother buying it or Part 2 for several years until afterwards. Um, I got a bit back into the band with the releases that came after about 2007, so I wanted to catch up on all the stuff I'd missed. But I never heard much discussion about it as an album. It was like, oh, Blackie's doing a concept piece. Oh, I bet it's going to be like Crimson, which you know uh, some people I think do think that it's pretty much a, a remake of that others have different opinions um Bill let's start with you you raised your hand you've got a different opinion what's your yes, thoughts I definitely on the
3: do you have a different opinion and I was going to kind of save it for your second question but uh this is just a a, uh, a rock opera where um I think that Crimson Idol could have been a musical where there'd been dialogue in between the songs but ever this is a full on rock opera written where all the speaking parts are part of the songs. And uh, I think that uh, I've mentioned back in previous episodes that uh, Blackie seems to have an affinity for one Pete Townsend and the who. And I think that uh, this is probably his hybrid between Tommy and Quadrophenia. I think he's taken a couple elements from both of those and kind of mixed them together brought him into the 21st century and uh it's a really good rock opera the the and i know what you were talking about when uh the first promos came out that you were talking about julian and uh this is this is not your typical wasp album even crimson idol is a little bit different this is a a piece from beginning to end that very few elements would fit outside of that that piece and uh it it really does have to be consumed in with three major parts. And the first part would be the story. And fortunately I found the story on WaspNation.net, and I read all the way through it. And it's like, wow, this is a pretty intense story. But then I kind of got the the images of Tommy and, uh, quadrophenia going on, uh, you know, with the drugs and all, all that stuff. And then, uh, then the second part of course is the music, but you can't do that without those two and the lyrics. Because if you're just trying to sit and rock out to this album, not going to happen. It sounds good. It sounds good from beginning to end. There's no real lousy music in it. But to get to absorb the whole thing, you have to have those three elements.
1: All right, Andy, take us back to take us back to the day when you heard about it. You probably knew it was coming out, and your thoughts about him doing another concept.
2: Uh, well, when it came out, it, it it's weird. It's kind of same thing it got kind of lost in the shuffle it came out i went looking for it i couldn't find it another friend of mine actually beat me to, to the to the one copy they had and i couldn't find it and the place didn't where's it going to get any more so it just like what the everywhere i looked at the time I, I couldn't get the cd at all i was just so baffled and just not happy with it and actually I had to borrow. I know I'm gonna say it, I had to borrow my friends, and this is my first copy of it. Still, I know I I would buy it. I am a fan of the band, and I would buy it, but I couldn't find it. And people say, "Oh yeah, they did the internet and all that stuff." Uh-uh. At the time, I I could. I'm telling you, I couldn't find this, and I was so upset. My buddy had. He's like, "Ah, oh, look, I got the you know the original one." And but you know, years later, I end up you know getting it, but you know, in a, in a record store and it was like secondhand, you know, I was lucky. I'm like, Oh, wow. No no kidding. Finally, you know, but other than that, that's how I ended up getting it. And then, uh, when I started getting, when I got it and like, Oh yeah, this is kind of the Crimson Idol, but a little bit, I don't know, we say deeper, you know, kind of more, you know, that kind of way. And then, uh, I did see the tour. So, uh, I did, and actually whoever does the tour dates, they got it wrong. So, uh, the date for, for Connecticut is actually August 1st of 2004. So here's the ticket stuff and they have it marked down as uh one eight, 2004. And actually it's the first of August. And, uh, Ooh, I got lucky. Got a couple picks. So, and, uh, Hey, can't complain, man. <laughs> and I did see him at that theater in Connecticut, which is uh, kind of a area, but, uh, you know, they only played a couple songs from this album on that tour, but, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> it was my find in uh, Sister Sadie, you know what I mean? So they didn't really play a lot from the album on the tour. So it was kind of got lost in the shuffle. So that's my really beginning of it. So well, let's that's
1: get- what I got to say about that <laughs> yeah so let's get let's get started into a dive into this album by starting with the first thing most people see when they finally obtain a copy and that's the cover um you know your first impressions of the cover art since you know visually back in the day that was important now andy of course you've already explained that you didn't actually find a copy because your friend had uh snagged it but i mean looking at that artwork you would have seen it online uh bill you know what's your thoughts on that i, I mean every time we talk about wasp you have some good points to make about the cover art so it's easy easy just for me to pass the buck
3: well this is the one where i'm going to come up really light because the most of the cover art i've seen is a thumbnail because all i have is a digital copy copy of it uh, and i've actually seen more of it by looking at julian's background than i have anything and it's like oh well there's people mixed into that so uh you know it it's it's an all right looking cover uh, i think it's probably a little bit better than the cover for crimson idol uh I can see where, you know, the individual uh, Jesse, he apparently is the person in the picture and he's just looks like he's trying to escape the mix of all the people that are blended in behind him. So that's really all I got on it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, a nice riff on kisses, smashes, thrashes, and hits with some demons and souls in the in the smoky background. I, I see like spirits and souls plus you know, kind of the body. So yeah, it, it is what it is. It, again, by that point, I don't really care that much about cover art. It'll Look, as an LP. Yeah,
2: but look, 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 at it, look, at it. it's really a bunch of naked women in the background.
1: <laughs> look at it real. If you look at it
2: closer, guys, <laughs> it's what it is. That's what it's all in the background.
1: Oh, I sisters. see figures,
3: but I can't sort out the genders, and I don't see too many boobies, so yep. we'll just leave it at that.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're obviously not that impressive. And, Andy, <laughs> well, very good on you actually spotting that then. How closely were you inspecting this?
2: <laughs> no, it's easy. You can, you can, it's, it's easy, clear it easy right there. Right between the two arms when he's got them raised up. You, 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 can't, you can't miss that. It's just like all right. right there.
1: Thanks a lot. Well, we anyway. just we just got dinged by YouTube. All right, let's talk about you know how would you overall describe this album and the music to a, uh to a fellow fan you know someone out there who knew Last Command or you know Winged Assassins you know how would you describe this album and what's your overall impressions I, I know we've all kind of touched on a little bit on all that so far uh, Bill.
3: Well, I would definitely say it's it's more of the the latter day Wasp variety. So you're not going to get you know. Stuff like you would off the first three albums, first four albums. Uh, it's definitely a post-Headless uh, Children kind of album. And, uh, you know, that's where they, they tend to stay more thematically all the way through. Uh, the one thing I did notice is uh, a lot of great playing all the way through it. I mean, there's really not any sour stuff except for the one thorn in my side with Wasp is those confounded symbols, those digital symbols that sound like, you know, it sounds like your tires losing air or something like that. That's it, you know, but outside of that, the playing is great. The sounds are great. And I'll get into that a little bit more when we go song to song to song. But, you know, if you, if you like Headless and Crimson Idol, definitely. If you liked, uh, you know, the self-titled and Last Command, it may take a little, take a few listens to get it to where you're digging it a little more. But you could. It wouldn't be a problem to dig it.
1: Nice. Andy, what are your thoughts on that? Well,
2: I mean, uh, I I think, see, it's, it's, you definitely, Bill hit it right on the head. You can't, you can't just like pick out a song and just play and say, yeah, I'm going to rock out to it. You got to listen to the whole thing. There's no way you could just get around too, too much of it. You know, it's it's all interplays with each other. If you like the Crimson Idol, you're gonna like this. You're gonna love this. You know, it's a kind of. But if you only like the first Wasp album, you know, Last Command, you know, Headless Children, if that's just say, you know, you probably won't dig this as much. You know, this is this is definitely the sit down. I mean, look at. I mean, look. This is. I got, I, I, I printed out all the stuff and I even posted it today. I mean. This is this is the press paper. I mean, I just copied it off the Wasp Live Nation. Here's the story. It says four pages long, and then you got all the characters is another four pages long. It tells you all about the characters, (laughs) and then the locations of what they talk about. You know, like asylum number nine, the wishing well, where they are, where they be. So you you gotta really, you really gotta read this stuff. You just can't. You I mean, you could just slop it in, flop it in, and play it, and you're gonna kind of go. What is he? You know, I mean, talking about stuff like that, you really got to read into the stuff to understand it, you know, and then you get into the album. So it's kind of like it's definitely seriously homework.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you have to immerse yourself in it, definitely, because you I mean, actually, if you just throw it in and listen to it and roll the windows down, it's still a good jamming album. But, you know, if you're trying to if you're trying to get in depth with it, you got to really go in depth with it. There's no just playing around with it. But, I mean, it sounds great, you know, just cruising with the windows rolled down. Thank God it's March, so I had the windows down.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, so I I kind of agree and kind of don't agree. Um, If I was to compile a, you know, second best of, of, you know, best of the best went through, uh, I think, um, Helderado. so everything that came after that, there'd be a, a few songs on this album that I think stand on their own just perfectly fine. Because you know what? All of those frickin' notes that Andy just showed you, I can't handle with an album. I really have difficulty. Ten pages of this booklet are, are the backstory. And I just don't care. I want to be able to put in an album and listen to it without it becoming an instruction manual. Now, for the first time ever, and while we were preparing for this episode, I did go back and read all ten pages. And, you know, Blackie does very kindly, thank you, Blackie, provide a precy at the end of it. Just one or two paragraphs that say what the freaking thing's about. And then you can go and read the turgid. And I, I, I'm just really, really not interested. I want to get the story out of the music experience. But that said, like I said, I don't think the songs need to be played from start to finish because there are a couple on here that I go back to. Um, no problem whatsoever at, at throwing them in as a best of. But again, it's down to your personal taste and preferences on that, on how you kind of consume your music. Um uh, again, I don't want to go to a website and have to read about it, um, says the guy who participated in the writing of a book about a concept album. Go figure. Um, so that, that's that's just my, myself not being very consistent. What do you think about the Neon God plot, and how well do the songs on this, you know, Volume 1 of Neon God tell that story? Andy.
2: Well, I... I'm kind of like you. I, I'm not like the biggest reader either. Like to that point, and then like you said, I'm not really the big reader. But man, I had to read this one because I just didn't want to. Sla- I just didn't want to slap it in and just play. It. I agree, there are a couple songs that you can, but I, I just want to get the whole gist of the, what's going on. Um, I like it. It's got its. I just think it's a little bit. Uh, the only thing that kind of throws me off is like when we go through these songs, like. Jess, Jess, he's talking to this person, and then the, the sister Sadie's talking to, to, to him and back and forth, but it's still Blackie singing the, sing, singing the words. So it kind of throws me off sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, guys get it? <laughs> it kind of throws me off. I wish there was somebody. He had got a couple people to say some of the lines. Like if you got the woman to be a sister Sadie, if you got a woman singer and just said – you know the, you know the couple of things. I mean, I know they get together the guys in a band, but it mostly, you know, ninety nine percent time it's it's Blackie singing. So you can't you can't separate. Only ninety
3: nine. <laughs> uh, huh? Only ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, Point
2: nine.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, like you can't. I can't. Sometimes that's why I had like, oh, you know, Jesse to God, God to Jesse. You know, um, Jesse to himself. He, he, you know, I wish they. That's had. That's why it's
1: got instructions. <laughs>
2: i i understand that but when you're just slapping it in your ear you're like okay so that's why you have to read it that's the point i'm trying to make it's like you you basically have to read it to understand the full stories of what's going on but the story is like you know kind of any other story you know people you know kids, parents parents have kids you know um they don't want them they get a drug abuse. You know what I mean? It's, it's, just, you know, drinking drugs, get used, abused. You know, I'm a God. You're not a God. And they throw you out like trash. Right. Basically, that's what it comes down to what the story is. You know, <laughs> that's it's, my thing.
1: But... It, yeah. It's, it's, it's really uplifting. Bill, do you need an instruction book?
3: And we, and well, actually for this album. Yeah, I did because, uh, If we go back and we might want to watch for getting struck by lightning, because I agree with Andy 100%. Okay. I guess we're good. (laughs) Um, That's the thing is, you know, where you're talking about Blackie doing all of the dialogue. Now I don't know how well Andy is, but I'm sure that Julian's, you know, back to the who, if you go back to who's 1971 release of Tommy, you hear the individuals in the band are the only ones doing any of the vocal. But then when you take that out of that context and you put it like in the motion picture soundtrack where Tina Turner's the acid queen and uh, Elton John's a pinball wizard, you're getting these different voices coming in. It makes it a, a, a much more cohesive piece. And then, you know, and here we've got one guy singing all the parts of, I don't know, 11 billion people. So yeah, that does that's where the ha- where you have to have the story and you have to have the lyrics along with the music for it to really make any sense. because sometimes you know when you're just when you' just throw in, the way Blackie is, you know, all you hear is yada da, yada da da. you know, you may not even know what he's saying. So going to the lyric gets you that extra boost. But then having the story behind the lyrics makes it even more. And we'll get into that a little bit more as far as the story itself i think it's uh I think it's a good story and that's where i you know find the uh, i i i grabbed the my messiah concept uh so the messiah concept from Tommy, where it was essentially turned into a messiah at, against well, even with not even being at his own will and then you have the uh, the uh, reckless hoodlum uh you know drug using adolescents that grow into hoodlum drug using ad- adults in the uh, the latter part of the story when you get into the uh, the uh, invisible circus and all of that so you know it, it really does scream like he's just kind of you know cherry picking out of the who but yeah i think it's put together pretty well because every tv show you watch is based on something else You know every movie is a remake of something else you know or uh, an adaptation of somebody's story so i don't you know discredit him for for cherry picking the who he like i said you know steal from the best but uh yeah i think it's a good story the way it's put together and i honestly haven't listened that you know i'm the new guy so i haven't listened to part two yet so i don't know where this story is going so no spoilers guys um Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I know where we are up to the point at the end of this record, and I can't wait to dig into the second part of it. And now I know that I'm going to have to invest a little bit more time than just throwing it in the Jeep and listening to it. It's going to take a little more reading into it. But, yeah, I think it's a good story.
1: Yeah, I think some of the points that, Bill, that you've made, you know, about The Who... Uh, particularly. Uh, you're going to hear me mention that band a few times today when we talk about the songs. Uh, but, you know, it's 10 pages. It's too much. It's too much to read, but you do need to read it to understand. And I think um, the point about V- Blackie's vocal phrasings don't have any separation between the characters. And it's not like he is a band like uh, The Who, which had Daltrey, which had Pete Townsend could sing, you know, Ox could sing as well. And other bands that have done concept album. well, uh, Geddy Lee, well, that's not talking well, about don't that. Don't
3: forget Cousin Eddie.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, okay.
3: Yeah. Mooney uh, put on his, what the parts that Mooney did was perfect for Mooney.
1: yeah so you know even whilst back in their heyday you wouldn't be having a duet with chris holmes you know this is the chris holmes song on the album just wasn't happening and you know i'm glad chris does some singing these days because some of the stuff he does is completely passable when drunk in a pub watching um you know but it wouldn't really work so understanding who's singing what does help let's go straight into the songs guys overture andy go uh it's it's vine it looks like it looks like they
2: just like mishmashed a bunch of stuff that like they he like oh i had this i had this kind of musical thing at one point and then i had a oh and then maybe a year later or half a year later oh man i, I did this thing but i don't know where to put it it's like a mishmash of different things together you know what i mean like it keeps changing that's all i but it's not bad but it's just you know it changes it's not the same thing like it, for so long, he does one thing, and then changes, goes to another thing, and then changes, yeah. and goes to another. It almost like, huh, he had all these mishmashes of pieces everywhere that he wanted to do for songs, and they didn't go anywhere. So, I got him. Let's put him on this together, and that's how we start. That's what all I right. get.
1: Fair enough. Bill, what's your thoughts on the open? And this is, of course, the opening instrumental type thing.
3: Yeah, and as an opening instrumental type thing, I mean, like I said, it was well played. Everything sounds good on it. But... If you don't have the idea, of the concept in your head, which Blackie does of course, because he's the only one that has it, you don't know what's kind of going on through those rhythm changes and those tempo changes that go through the song. Uh, everything's played together, played well. It's all pieced together pretty decent. But uh, you know that overture, that would be something where you would be need to have something visually going on in your head to th- kind of determine that. And that's where the the backstory comes in. But I mean, it gives you an idea of maybe a setting of the scene about what time frame the story is in or whatever. But outside of that, not much more. But it's okay. And that's yeah. all I got.
1: Yeah, We're going to so, be saying
3: that a lot today.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we will, because there's a lot of short intro pieces that will just blow through quickly to get to the the, the real parts that matter the most. I mean, for Overture, my notes are no longer a Titanic, just Overture, not even a prologue. Uh, but it is pretty good as an instrumental type opening thing, uh, and the, you know lots of dynamics, which Andy said, you know, lots of different pieces and styles and elements coming in. Something that I've mentioned on the recent albums is the use of keyboard. It gives it a very Uriah Heepish kind of feel in parts, just that the way the, the keyboard is applied, and it's, you know, grand and it's bombastic, which such a simple title doesn't quite, you know, express. So I, I like it, but there are parts of this where I can't help but find myself singing, I don't want to be the Crimson Idol. Just the melody is floating there. And it, it, I'm, I'm sorry, whether it's subconscious or not, it ties back to the previous concept album. That melody is in there, and I can't unhear it. And it <laughs> it, it, it kind of, uh, it, to a certain extent, it pollutes my opinion of the album because I hear that. So uh,
3: and, first... and I agree with you 100% because that's where, um, you know, a consistent thing with... Uh, with opera is that you set that one main theme where even when you think it gets to a point where it hooks you back in. So uh, like, um, here we go with the who, you know, the feel me, touch me, heal me part. That's all the way through that piece. And that's the thing is if he would have had some kind of vocal melody, just singing over some of those parts that would have, that would have been, it might've shed away the, I don't want to be part. And, got you a little bit more invested in this because there are a couple of those themes that bounce around through the songs but it's just kind of missing in the overture
1: yeah so you you mentioned the who so i'm going to go there for this first short acoustic ish uh piece why am i here um and i my my notes are straightforward who ish with the acoustic guitars um but a really nice plaintive vocal that expresses jesse's pain to god where is here though is it with his abusive mother is it in the orphanage is it more metaphysical or did i just not digest the instruction manual enough andy why am i here
2: (laughs) i don't know why am i here that's i guess i know i'm not really be honest i know i'll probably get you know, as Bill says, the lightning's going to strike. I'm not really a religious guy. So, but, you know, there are people in this world that they actually don't. Why am I here? You know, that's, that's their thing. You know, why am I here? What is my purpose on this planet for? Don't know, you know. So it's probably, you know, as it says in the thing, Jesse's talking to God. Why am I here? Because, you know, if you read into the story that his mother, you know, after his father died, his mom went way downhill really quick, drinking, doing drugs and this and that. And she started getting abused and used and everything else. And then he was getting abused and used by people. And then she basically threw him away. So basically, that's what I get out of it. And that's what I think he's talking to God about. Why am I even here? Why was I even born?
1: Probably. Why am I even here? The end. For me. <laughs> All right, which means the beginning for Bell.
3: <laughs> yeah, and uh, I held up my notes, and I actually used the exact same word "hoosh," because you can't get away from it because that chord progression is Pinball Wizard. The beginning of it is dun 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 dun, and it's you can't get away from it. The acoustic guitar sounds excellent on this. I mean, it's probably some of the best acoustic guitar I've ever heard recorded on a rock album. You know, you may have some like, you know, Michael Hedges or something like that. That was, that's really good sounding. But when it comes to a rock piece, the acoustic guitar on this sounds excellent. And all I could think was if somebody would, if Blackie could have shown Kiss how to to do it, because the acoustic guitar on the the later day Kiss stuff was awful. But uh, yeah, just a little hooish. It's kind of setting the scene. I think he's talking to himself being a, Still under his mother's thumb or being the, the devil in his mother's life, however you want to look at it. Uh, I did look at the, the tracks as being chronologically along with the story, but we'll get back to that more later. That's what I got.
1: Excellent. Good thoughts, guys. Uh, into the first full song on the album, Wishing Well. Andy, let's start with you on that. Your thoughts.
2: Well, it's uh, you know, it's, as the story goes, right? He's in the room and what he do He looks out the window and sees the wishing well. And basically, uh, I guess in the stories that that was a lot of they think is what he says is that, you know, <clears throat> that uh, this is this was some of the way those kids were that that would that was their out. The wishing well was so deep that kids would just or whoever was in there would just jump in the wishing well and die. So that was their thing, the wishing well. That was their wish to end their own lives because that was the only way they could get out of this this place they were in, you know, the asylum and, and all that place. So on that, speaking of that part, <laughs> i not trying to be down on, The music is good, though. It's just the storylines with it is kind of deep, you know, kind of tragic. So, but I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I, I guess I just... My, my, I've had a pretty good life. I'm not, not, not everything's perfect, but you know, I, I, sometimes I have a hard time grasping. You know, I know there's people who go through this kind of stuff, man, or, and it's probably happening right now as we're speaking about this kind of stuff. That this stuff is happening places, but it's it's hard sometimes to jump in their mind of this stuff. You know what I mean? So, but it is good. I, I don't know. That's all I got. I don't know what to say.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> not it's not Ronnie James Diaz wishing well. Let's put it that way, Bill.
3: It's not Paul Rogers wishing well either, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the one thing I noticed, and you know, I, I like I said, I've l- had a short time of listening to this is uh, this is another who flavored song, you know, melody wise and rhythmically, you know, that's the one thing about, well, now Frankie didn't play on this one. So I'll talk about Frankie later, but the blackie seems to like to have the drums really active. So this would have been Stet Howlin just really just going total Keith Moon on the drums. You know, there's uh, not necessarily a a pattern to what he's playing, but it's just rhythmically, uh, you know, just completely fluid to where it's always moving under the song. And that works out with Blackie's kind of songwriting too, where, you know, a lot of it's like holding an open chord and then the drums kind of pushing it along. And then, you know, there may be a melody and then you bring in the vocal melody and all that stuff. But uh, the one thing I noticed today, because I had been listening to this like on my stereo and on my Jeep and all that stuff. And I put in these earbuds, which I paid way too much for. And there is an amazing bass line buried so deep inside this song. And, you know, praise to Mike Duda for that bass line, because back to the who, it sounds a little uh, oxish. You know, it sounds like something that you would hear uh, h- Hindu. And it's just really good and it's fluid all the way through the song. And I think that's probably a basis where it matches the melodies of the guitars and the vocals to that drum beat because it's just kind of some glue that fits in between it. And it's really good. Uh, And uh, outside of that, you know, there's no guitar solo. So there's nothing outstanding from a, um, shit. I can't remember his name again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Daryl. Daryl Yeah, Daryl.
3: I want to say Douglas for some reason, but yeah, Daryl, you know, great, the rhythm playing on it's great, uh, the melody, I mean, they really just play the song really well, and uh, outside of that, that's what I got.
1: Damn it, Bill, you nicked my Oxish because that, that, <laughs> that you know, that's, that's my first note, is the great bass line, immediately reminiscent of Ox. It, it's got that running lead bassy feel, which is why you don't need a guitar solo on it. Why have a lead like, why have a lead guitar solo when you really have a lead bass holding yeah. that, that track down? You don't need it. And you also mentioned drummers. There's something I really like on this song versus all the other ones, and it's the snap of uh, the snare when stet is smashing that thing there's a really nice resonance coming out of that snap crisp um which i is really captured well again it comes down to how well it's recorded we talked about how great the acoustic guitar sound on this that one was you know just sounds spectacular and then of course you come back to the subject matter of the wishing well being about drowning away the pain and it kind of ruins the mood of all that great musicality underlying <laughs> it you know so musically fantastic track uh, i like how it's uh, a direct segue from the the first intro let's move into sister sadie and i i wish it was called and her black habits rather than the black habits i know it's a play on the old nun thing um andy were you none too pleased with this
2: i i, I it's fine with me i like the music blackie's voice man and on this album is like really unbelievable i i can't believe that blackie doesn't get enough recognition for his voice alone you know what i mean his voice is just unbelievable you know there's no doubt about it and whoever he ever you know picks up playing you know bass oh mike's been if he years now or playing the drums anybody who's picked up has been top notch too you know so everything seems to go with the flow you know and uh not just what music wise but now, I'm actually gotten more into the storylines, too, you know, with this thing. Now, I've been at this thing for now, you know, more since we said, you know, since we're going to be doing these things. I've been at these now. So now I'm, like, really into the story as much as I am to the music with this thing now. Now, again, this is one of those weird things where, man, this stuff has probably happened and has happened and it's still happening now, you know? The nun basically... You know, the, here we are, we're supposed to be good Catholic people, nun people, and we're basically, you know, we're basically being brutal. We're raping these kids, you know? <laughs> Go from one. <laughs> this this is not your happy, happy, feel good album, I'll tell you. You know? It's it just, but I like the music. I like the way Blackie sounds. I, You know, it's, it's hard for me to, I don't know. It's just very hard for me to like, oh, yeah, this is just like, bang, 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 yeah, 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 I love this, I love this, you know? stuff like that, but I know I probably sound bad on this one. I I don't know, Bill. (laughs) I don't know what to really have to say. It's weird.
3: Well, and I agree with, with so much of the points that you were just making about how, you know, this is something that you would think is unheard of, but it's probably been going on for a long, long time. But uh, you know, this is the part where, uh, where Jesse is the victim in the story because, you know, he was basically just, just being tormented. Um, and, you know, that's the thing is about it. He, uh, the one thing about Sadie that he picked out was the smell of alcohol in her breath because he smelled alcohol in his mom's breath when she was abusing him. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, that's one thing it's like, it's kind of a, it's definitely a drag story, but uh, I mean, it's part of the story nonetheless, as far as musically, uh, I think the "I don't believe" chorus is about the hookiest part of the entire album. But then again, that could be the same as "I don't want to," "I don't want to be," "I don't want to be," "I don't want to be." <laughs> so, uh, going back to Crimson, uh, the solo was tasty and stuck, you know, right inside the melody. But a great guitar solo and well played. Uh, and it's kind, it, it is back to the subject of the story it's you know it's interesting that that's part of what made him who he ends up being in the story oh yeah i had a a nice tempo change at the end would be a good live bit did you say they did pl- play this live Andy? yes yeah, yes okay. they did. so it would it, yeah it would be a good live bit and you know that there's a chanty part in there that could get the crowd into it and that's what i have on that
1: Nice. Oh, Sister Sadie. I went to Catholic school, so I can relate. Um, But it conjures (laughs) kind of... It kind of conjures the visuals of something Ghost might be doing these days, uh, subject matter-wise. But it, it seems to be more like a person in conflict and confusion about faith and the pain and all that you know rather than just the story of the evil nun because I've known a few um, and I'm still emotionally scarred musically it's a fantastic track I love the guitar work on it so I can see why they picked this one to do live but it's the tone of the guitar on this song that i really really dig i also like the break section which is almost a completely different song and all these sorts of changes musically throughout the song makes make it for me anyway from my reference points very maidenish and it's kind of dynamic you get a a a 10 minute maiden song and it's basically three three three-minute songs you know and this one has these little sections as well that are kind of almost independent of themselves all right moving back into crimson idol territory for me the rise, and we're not talking about Paul Stanley and his Levi's. Um, you, know, you know, it it harkens back to Idol for me, Crimson Idol. And other than that, it seems more about scene setting than anything else. And I feel there could have been more um, more to it. it. It's too truncated. It's 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 not there, Bill.
3: Well, the first thing I noticed about it was, I mean, I have a it's a moody transitional piece with no solo, and it's not bad, but I mean, I don't think it would stand on its own outside the album, but I'm a little confused. Is this out of the timeline with the, the album? Because you don't know if this is something that's going on in his head when he's at still in the orphanage, or if it's something that comes later after he becomes his own self declared Messiah. But the more I think about it, it could be just the thing where, you know, like where he just basically says, I'm going to rule the world and all this while he's still getting beaten by Sister Sadie. But uh, yeah, I thought, you know, it could kind of go either way, whether it fits into the, the timeline or not. But, uh, you know, well played, uh, no guitar solo and just get, just well done.
2: Andy. Well, this, this is where I had said where they could have used somebody else to sing the parts. The could be, you know, it's not my favorite track off the whole thing, but, you know, it's like the Invisible Circus sings one line fast, and then it's Jesse, then Invisible Circus again, then it's Jesse, then it's Invisible Circus, then it's Jesse again, it's Invisible Circus, Jesse again, Invisible Circus Jesse again, Jesse the <laughs> It's like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and it's fast. It's too bad that he just didn't get somebody with a little bit of different voice to fire back and forth, just a little bit something a little bit different because it, it gets confused you get confused man you're like okay oh no but it's black no it's not black it's the other person but uh, you know what i mean it is confusing it's not my favorite track off the off the album that's that's for sure but you know it goes along with the story that's all i got
1: <laughs> yeah that, that's followed by another interlude type piece why am i nothing which for me is just you know kind of a repeat of why am i here i mean it's it's the same kind of question sequentially it feels like it's supposed to relate to jumping in the well but it could also re- relate to various parts of the story so you know it, it, it's short it's okay whatever um you know I, i'm more interested in the full song so to be perfectly honest andy
2: yeah kind of same thing you know he's talking to god again why am i here why am i nothing why am i this and that same same thing is basically the other one so it's nothing big you know it's just it is there it's there It's must in between the songs. So that's about it for that.
3: Bill. And yeah, as I just had very short transitional piece. But the great thing about it is it matches the transitional piece early on. The great acoustic guitars back, it sounds like they're, you know, they're cohesive parts of the same story, which is kind of really good for, you know, keeping you in touch with the beginning of it. You know, if it had been a little different or something like that. It might have thrown the listener off. That's
1: all I got on that. And well, Julia... then, then take us into Asylum Number Nine.
3: Okay, I called this a great song. Uh, I think it could stand on its own as a single and a super tasty guitar solo. Uh, the, uh, you know, the lyrics are, are definitely scripted to where uh, I think that like maybe a video would make it seem more cohesive. Uh, lead you kind of down the uh, uh, Operation Mind Crime kind of bit you know where even though Tate was singing what was going on he had the voices coming from Dr. X or whatever but uh, yeah I just think it's a great song and it's where it can actually just kind of stand on its own because uh, the nurses and Dr. D they, they're not arguing with Jesse you know Jesse has his parts in there but it's not that rapid fire thing like in the last song
1: yeah, it wasn't crazy enough for me for being the Looney Bin song. Um, but it it's got, I actually like some of the lyrics. Uh, Are you in pain or merely just misguided or merely misguided? Yeah, I, I like that. Um, but the chorus gets really grating on me for the length of song. So it was like one I felt could have been edited down musically. And I, I didn't write any notes about the music. Um, it, it just, uh, you know, the chorus gets annoying. Andy.
2: Asylum number nine. I love this song. This is, this is my favorite track. Off the whole album, Point Blank, I love it. It just got that that guitar thing. It this, this is one of those songs that could stand on its own. It would be kind of cool for a video because the Doctor. It would make just an awesome video when you think about it. Hmm. Let me think. No. <laughs> yeah, I love this song. This song is again. This song can stand on its own. I love that guitar, the way it plays. Silum Number Nine. I love it. I love it. I love it and I don't care, I
1: loved it long keep it going it's your your song, you're allowed to like whatever you like about it Um, you said they did Sister Sadie live which was the other one, do you remember off the album that they did live and if not, try and remember before we finish Uh, I I will get into my favorite song on the album actually no, I'm lying The Red Room The Red Room of the Rising Sun Bill, start us off on that
3: Sorry, I was shuffling my notes, and I realized that I, I hadn't done my top three yet, so I was going through that. Uh, great song. Uh, I, I actually kind of call it Tomorrow Never Knows, The Red Room of the Rising Sun, because it ventures into that in the middle of the song. Uh, would uh, it, This wouldn't be very single-worthy, in my opinion, because there's so much audio, audibly stuff going on. So you know, there's a lot of noises in the background and stuff. So it probably wouldn't work as a single. Uh, but you know, it's it's a great uh, piece, and I think that it this might be the seed in Jesse's life that basically tells him what he ends up doing later. He needs to walk away from, you know, because he gets that friendship with Billy at that point and realizes that there was love there, and he wasn't uh, trying to he he had already he knew what love was and was continuously trying to find what he thought it was killer album cut though hmm. andy funky song
2: love the drums on it i don't know what 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 was going on with that like i said i'm not a pro i don't know nothing about that stuff i just like the sound of it it's just got that it's got a whole different sound this is probably the one song that sounds totally different off the whole album. You know what I mean? They get that drums, the way to whatever, whatever that funky sound's going on, I love it. I think it's pretty cool.
1: Wow, I'm the odd man out on this one, because <laughs> I do not like this song at all. I don't like songs with Red Room or Rising Sun. I just find that you know so cliched at this point um, I think it's a good stylistic change musically I get that and it does freshen up where we're at in the album so it doesn't become 2 note the acoustic stuff all by electric stuff blah blah back and forth um, but it's too crowded and it's muddy and it sounds like it's too it's trying too hard for me to represent the uh, description in the story though it perfectly expresses, I guess, what, you know, someone might perceive to be a druggie's perception. So it's muddy and crowded and, you know, so from that kind of perspective, it makes sense, but I don't like it. <laughs> Bill, did you want to add something?
3: Uh, no, I I do understand where you think it could be muddy and crowded, though. I mean, because really, like, the the Tomorrow Never Knows part really doesn't fit in the rest of the song. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, you know, where the the drug, the person, you know, addicted to drugs or whatever, or just sex or whatever it might be, you know, they're not necessarily thinking rationally anyway. So I, I see your point on that.
1: Get us started on what I'll never find.
3: Okay, I thought this was a great song with a good hook. And even though it is six minutes long, I think it could be edited down to a single. Uh, the, sm- the guitar solo on it is smoking. Daryl and I actually wrote Daryl's name down here so I could remember it. <laughs> I think that Daryl plays on a Kulik Brother level uh, solo on this song. I mean, it's really tasty. There's a lot of chords involved in the solo and even for it being a slower ballad, the solo just totally rips on it. That's, that's what really stuck out to me on that one.
1: Nice, Andy. Oh, boy,
2: this has got Go-Gog, I can't see the name of the Go-Gog, that song, written all over it. This was definitely taken, you know, you know what I mean? The song, I forgot the name of the song. The, the sound, the guitar, exactly. Yep. You know, so this is the song of the...
1: We'll, 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 get to, we'll get to that one in a few episodes.
2: I, I know, but I'm just saying, you know, what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's exactly. It's basically, I was, you know, it sounds better on this. <laughs> sounds better on this than this. That's what I say. But it is, it's okay. But as soon as I, as soon as I heard, I'm like, oh yeah, it's gonna go out there, you know, it, it better. So it's okay. Like you said, Daryl's really good on a guitar and everything else, but. It's as soon as I as soon as I hear it, I hear it go off the
1: songs. Yeah, That's it. <laughs> yeah, so I, my notes on this one are pretty straightforward. Blackie continues to knock it out of the park with the power balladish-type material. And again, it's a nice change of pace. Whereas I'm not a fan of the previous song, this to me works because of the soaring guitar work. Uh, it's perfectly stated against a subdued track with a longing, hope, desperation, despair. Um, it's not quite hallowed ground good. But it's still very, very good. And again, I like that constant drone of a keyboard note lingering underneath all the music. It just, you know, helps the atmosphere. And again, it's like doubling your guitar with a piano. It, it, It just provides that sort of atmosphere and touch. All right. Somebody or someone to love me all I need. Another interlude. Bill
3: somebody 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 oh i'm sorry uh, <laughs> yes someone to love i really had you know of course it's a short number uh it's probably blackie's best vocal as far as uh i mean you know even in the slower parts the uh, electric guitar is nice and clean uh, where it doesn't sound like you just plugged it into a power amp and you don't have any tone control the tones are beautiful on it and you can tell where a clean electric guitar doesn't need to sound like a acoustic guitar and it doesn't need to sound like an elect, like a distorted electric guitar. Uh, really outside of that, uh, I think the lyrics are pretty decent. Um, you know, that's the thing about it is when you're writing an opera like this, you have to have these little short interludes to where it's setting up the next scene. And, uh, this pretty, this does it pretty well in my opinion.
1: Yeah. And that's another word that I use to describe it. My one word review of the song was pretty. And, uh, <laughs> You know, I like this this is my favorite of the intro pieces on the album. Um, and it really sets the stage for the next track perfectly, as far as I'm concerned. And my only other notes was that otherwise, I think all these intros are fluff that could be tacked onto the songs without giving them their own billing and shoehorning plot elements into their titles. So um, a, a little bit unforgiving. Um, but again, I like it the best of all of them, Andy.
2: It's easy. Short, sweet, to the point.
1: (laughs) The end. (laughs) Okay. Then uh, XTC Riders, Andy.
2: Oh, this is my second favorite song off the album. This kind of reminds me a little bit in the beginning of the song, the beginning half of the song. Kind of reminds me of, it could be almost like an 80s, and it's stuck in the 80s kind of thing. A little bit. Not 100% because at the ending part, it gets changed again. Uh, it does have that feel of the 80s kind of thing. I like this kind of song. I like it. It cranks. This is one of those, like I said, number nine. That and this T- XTC, you, these are the two, for me personally, these are the two you can just, you could they could have been slapped on anywhere and just play them and you're like, yeah, man, this is it. You know, this could be, like I said, kind
3: of an 80s kind of thing. So I love it.
1: You nailed it. You totally nailed it. Bill. Uh,
3: I, I I agree with Andy. Uh, actually, uh, I think it's a great classic sounding song. I think this could fit somewhere between Last Command and Electric Circus. Uh, good chugging rhythm. And, you know, that's the thing is after you've heard, you know, eight or nine songs of the basically the operatic version or the concept band version of Wasp, it's kind of cool to just get back into a dun, 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 kind of jam. Uh, guitar solos on it's great. Uh, the um, I think the lyrics could stand on their own as a single. Maybe not the best single off the record, but uh, it's definitely one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, you, you both nail everything that I didn't write in my notes about this one, but hands (laughs) down, this is the best song on the album for me, probably because it's an echo of the area where I became a fan of Blackie Lawless and Wasp. Um, But it also, when you go back to the lyrics and you open up the instruction manual and you read about it and what it's talking about is it represents very well musically the Russia euphoria, yeah, we get it. It's like pulsing adrenaline feel of a racing heart, and it delivers that, which I guess is the complete point of where it fits into the story, anyway. So, um, Blackie nails it. That, that, that yeah, I Blackie Lawless, I mean, underrated as a vocalist, as a writer, and it comes through. And this also comes through. I didn't have any notes for the next intro piece, Me and the Devil, until my final listen today before doing the show. And thinking about Blackie and what he's done with his career, the acoustic orchestral nature of most of these segue pieces or connective tissue make me hope that Blackie does an Unplugged album. I would love Wasp Unplugged, I think it could be really, really cool when you think about what some of the better bands have done with their Unplugged uh, sessions by blowing your mind with what they've done with their Unplugged sessions. I think Blackie, if they ever put Blackie Lawless on MTV Unplugged, um, let alone showed some music on MTV, you know, <laughs> could really blow some people's minds about, number one, his singing, and then they might recognize his songwriting. Because you wouldn't need a Chris Holmes there to do a Chris Holmes guitar. There's so much more in the canon of what he does that I think it'd be a very cool take on um, Wasp. So that's all I get out of this intro is how I like him to do something else as a different project. Bill.
3: Yeah, the, the, the only downside to your idea of like an MP, MTV Unplugged is uh, Blackie's become such a studio junkie for no for no better uh you know word for it uh you don't know how many takes it takes for him to get that excellent vocal that actually is making it to the tape you know he could be he could be absolutely magical and be cutting it on the first couple takes or he could be doing axel rose thing where he spends three and a half months on a song you don't know what's what's going on with that because he's kind of in the shadows so much and when they do tour, it's so limited and you don't really, you know, like when you're in the live band situation, you don't really get the great vocals in a live show where they can just come in and bust out, you know, uh, gorgeous stuff in the studio. So, but I, I would love to see a, a, an unplugged. Uh, I'm not sure that me and the devil would be one of those tracks. Cause I basically just said, meh, <laughs> and uh, that's all I had for it. But, you know, but his, 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 his uh, vocal quality, his compositional, and, you know, the, the fact that he's orchestrating all of these albums after, you know, well, basically from the beginning, you know, he's orchestrated whatever wasp has put out and, you know, nine times out of 10, it's really great stuff. Or I say eight out of nine times, <laughs> so, whatever, but, uh, you know, uh, he, he does have a great compositional mind and I've always appreciated his composition skills and it, you know like going back to Someone to Love Me you know that vocal is just beautiful and that's what I would love to see on MTV Unplugged I mean, that's what I got for Me and the Devils meh
1: yeah even as an, a no TV Unplugged even if he just went into the studio and did it and did however many takes he I I'd, I'd still would have rather had that than re-idolized that's what that like okay Andy
2: Ah, just me and the devil. Not much to it.
1: Nope. <laughs> the Running Man. Just, There's more to it than that. So, Running Man, go for it.
2: Oh me? Uh, yeah. It's 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 not one of my favorite tracks either. I don't know why. It just doesn't. It just doesn't do it for me. Kind of weird. I don't know. It just. I don't know. That's one of them. I just haven't got into that much. It's like, for me, it's, I don't, I don't say skip, but I've listened, but I'm not, I don't know. It's not one of my favorite tracks off the album.
1: Sorry. Either works for you or it doesn't. There's no right or wrong answer, even if that was wrong. Bill.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This is one I didn't actually physically write notes for, but uh, this is an interesting turning point in the story where he's deciding to leave the invisible circus, uh, And, you know, basically him and Judah are going toe to toe, basically like I would assume a shouting match. Uh, It's great for it fits the story. There's a I don't think I can't recall anything musically that really stood out to me, uh, good or bad. But, uh, you know, it's still keeping my interest to where I'm looking forward to part two.
1: Well, that's, that's a relief as we, you know, get to the wrap-up for, the, you know, talking about these songs and do our favorites and least favorite. The Running Man, for me, I really like, because it's a very still-not-black-enough-sounding track that all it's missing is Bob Kulick's guitar tone. Um so naturally i like this one because i love that album and it's but you know all respect to daryl is that it's got a another great guitar solo on it and you know notice most of my comments go about the music rather than the story because again you know i mentioned at the top that's how i approach stuff andy maybe you like this last song maybe maybe we'll get lucky uh, raging storm lead us into the end of the tracks and then we'll do our favorites at least yeah i
2: like this song i like this song uh... I like the guitar work. I like how it ends it. It doesn't just, like, drop off. It's got, you know, it it just does not, like, super mellow. Like, okay, now we have to wait until the next album, you know, uh, you see April, May, June, July, August, you know, six months. (laughs) You know? So I like it. It's it's in, uh, well, we'll talk. It's in my top three. So I like it. It's a good way to end it. End it for that half.
1: I'm good with it. Nice. So I I have down with my notes that it's a heapish epic ending. Again, because of the keyboards that uh, my, my reference point is generally heap when it comes to that style, but it's also another song that doesn't take too much figuring out or digging through 10 pages of freaking notes to figure out where we're at. (laughs) It's not, it's, it's, it's not a conclusion, but it ends the album in a satisfactory manner until you get to part two um and again it's got a great lyric that i I like scars of memories remain i like that you know it's nothing spectacularly complex it's just very succinct and well stated bill yeah um,
3: i i didn't have any pencil down notes on this one but uh yeah it, it it's a good track and like i said before well played and it does definitely it's like the roller coaster coming back into the station you know you're 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 not getting your neck snapped by the uh, the locking of the brakes or whatever, but you're kind of cruising in, and it takes you into that next dimension, which is going to be part two. All right,
1: that's
3: what I got.
2: Okay, <laughs> well, and
1: get,
2: I, it. I to, It's another thing too we should uh, discuss about this. You know, you can't blame uh, Blackie for this. This th- both albums were supposed to come out together. That was the, that was the glitch too. You know what I mean? But the record companies kept telling Black, oh, no, we can't do that. It's going to cost, like, too much money and this and that. And it was a thing Black had discussed it or somewhere about, you know, he wanted basically Rise and Demise to come out together as a double thing. And the record company was like, no, 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 no. And basically it came down to about money. They just wanted to make more money, he said. So that's why it was the six months separation between one and two. You know, Mm. so.
1: Eh.
2: Bummer. It would have been nice to get them both at the same time.
1: Did you speak to the last song? And are we into favorites? Or do you still have to speak about The Raging Storm? I can't remember. Sorry. Nope. All done. Then, why don't you give us your top three songs off this album? He says you,
2: but he doesn't actually say a name, so I'm assuming it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay, so my first one is Asylum, number nine. That's number one for me. Number two is XTC Riders. That's number two. And my third is The Raging
1: Storm. Well, all right, all right, all right. Bill, what are your top three?
3: And and like I said before, it's really kind of hard to pluck these out from the cohesive piece. But, uh, I mean, the three of them that I kind of clued in for that I thought were actually like single worthy was number three would have been a... Uh, Asylum number nine, and uh, number two is Wishing Well, and number one would be XTC Riders.
1: And there we are. I agree. XTC Riders is my favorite. Uh, And then, you know, The Running Man, again, because it's still not black enough feel. And um, second and third are equals. Wishing Well. Really good song, but there's there's a couple of others that would be in contention for me. Uh, But also a lot that are just kind of middling. When we're talking about best and worst, which worst? Bill, what's your least favorite? And I should say that you're not allowed to pick any of the connective segue pieces. Oh no! Don't do that. that That's just that's like a (laughs) that's a cop out. That's like putting the two second gap between the songs as your least favorite track.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well. I, I was gonna, I was gonna give my clue as meh, <laughs> but uh, oh, let's see, I'm just kind of reviewing here because you changed the rules on me. Um,
1: <laughs> man, oh, did I forget to send ridiculous. the message? Oh darn. Yeah,
3: I don't think that's not what it says in my message. Um, <laughs> You
2: guys get messages? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Andy, least favorite. While well, well, Bill yeah, you, well, well, Bill gets yeah, the shovel get and digs out of the hole, I dug him. <laughs> which your least favorite, Andy? Or did you pick an interlude as well?
2: No, I did the. Uh, I said it wasn't my favorite. It was uh, The Running Man.
1: Yep. I said that right away,
2: even even when we were going through it. The Running Man, you know, because you said you can't count the other ones, which I didn't think I would count really that much anyways, because I don't think they're...
1: Them, they're not long enough to dislike. I mean, the, the if you don't like it, the suffering's over quickly. Uh, All right, so it. so I mentioned my least favorite as well during during talking about it, and that's the Red Room with the Rising Sun. Just uh, not, not a fan of it. All right, Bill, have you made a choice or are you going to go back to <laughs> meh and say, no, I'm sticking with meh and you can stick it if you don't like it? Meh. I'm going to cop out because I think that
3: the, the Red Room with the Rising Sun, of the complete... Two minute plus tracks would probably be my least favorite. Although it's not really, I mean, it's not, I don't find it bad. I don't find it where it's unlistable. But, uh, (laughs) I mean, it's just kind of a jumbled up mess when, in comparison to some of the other pristine stuff on this record.
1: Yep. Maybe overthought that one a little bit while creating the album. There we go. That is The Neon God Part One. We will regroup in a month or so, to talk about the second one, which, you know, is much shorter. I'm wondering if there was ever released just the Neon God anywhere, any market in the world as a double CD. I don't well, think so. That's, that's rhetorical. Probably not. Probably it was not hard RP.
3: enough to get one, right, Andy?
1: I still don't own a copy, a physical copy of Neon 2. So... I, I found one at Amoeba in San Francisco, and it was like $3.99, and I skipped it. I probably should not have, as I've never seen it again. So, all right. Any last thoughts, Andy? Uh, I was going to say, though, man, Blackie's
2: voice is just unbelievable on this album. And he, he's actually a really good producer, too. I, we, I don't think we do we even discuss that kind of thing. Did, he really produces really well.
1: We've, we've touched on it with the separation, but that is, of course, Bra- uh, you know, Blackie Lawless is in that seat. You know, Wasp is Blackie, so, you know, y- you would hope that he would know exactly what the vehicle supposed to be since he's, you know, not only owns the car, he's driving it, so.
3: Yeah. Well, I, and I think that he kind of, uh, kudos to him for actually bridging the gap of, you know, the changing technology, because... You know, the first album, I'm sure it was cut to two-inch tape like, you know, everything else was in 1984. But then, you know, he's actually transitioned into the digital age and, you know, where it's still not black enough. I mean, it's a great album, but, I mean, recording-wise, you know, he was dealing with brand-new stuff, digital recording, digital drums, and all that stuff. And, you know, then he's continued to progress on to where i think the last two albums i think have been some of the best of their career and i mean you know that's the thing about it i've got that one thing about a symbol that (laughs) uh, you know that i don't like in his recordings but other the rest of it man it's fantastic stuff
1: and that's why we continue to talk about these albums
3: yeah they weren't there were not a lot of people were making albums that sounded this good in 2004 at least as far as with traditional bands
1: yeah there, there we go so you know we will leave you with thoughts and dreams of a mtv wasp unplugged and he'll bring back memories you know members of the family chris holmes randy piper rick fox oh. uh, who knows <laughs> highly fox unlikely fox. there we go It'll yeah have, have to remain a dream all right thanks for joining us we'll see you next time on the look it's rock and roll podcast
0: see ya it's been a long time since we've rock and rolled But that all changes this August as Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville. This annual convention brings together rock artists, fans, and podcasters for an unforgettable rock experience. Special guests this year include Billy Sheehan, Ron Keel, Don Jameson of That Metal Show, and current and former members of Winger, LA Guns, Accept, and more. Stage panels, signing sessions, and photo ops will be available, plus lots of vinyl and memorabilia vendors. Music podcasters from all over North America will be appearing on-site for live interviews, speaking sessions, networking, and more. Got a music podcast? Register and join us. Rockin' Pod weekend kicks off with a pre-party featuring former Tesla guitarist Tommy Schio and his new band Resist and Bite making their debut performance as well as a rare hair set featuring surprise guests performing all-time classics. and Pod Weekend takes place August 6th through the 8th in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets, VIP passes, podcast registration, and discounted hotel rooms are available now at rockinpod.com. Rockin' Pod is brought to you by DBG Productions, Bradley Entertainment, and Inceptia.
1: Thank you for watching or listening to this episode. Be sure to subscribe to us, like us, or even leave us a review. You can find us and join the conversation on Facebook.